0: Smith and Jones Thursday edition make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast please rate and review the show as well it's a Thursday edition of the program and we bring into the mix right now uh you know him from well from Sportsnet and he's been all over the broadcast landscape the last 12 plus months or so and of course the CEBL as well he's an executive but of course you knew him before that as a member of uh, Team Canada for years, uh, going back to his uh, playing days overseas. And, of course, at Michigan, go blue, maize and blue. We bring into the conversation Javon Shepard. Javon, thanks for the time as always.
1: Uh, thanks for having me. And we took a Michigan, I'm speaking. Of, I know. took a beating last night by the, by the uh, Tar Heels, excuse me.
0: Yeah. Uh, old, oh, old, you know what, I'm, old, I'm willing, I'm willing to dust draft. that aside because I'm – yeah, but I'm, I'm willing to dust that aside and live off the football program for at least another week after the big win last week over Ohio State. I'm forgetting basketball for now. I just, I'm just i living large on the football for now.
2: Well, they, they yeah, could man. be in the run for a national championship, but the, the old uh, one-time Raptor and North Carolina guy, Hubert Davis now with the reins, I think that's yeah. going to be a different program, Javon. I mean, that's a topic for another day, but uh, you get guys the same way that Jawan Howard's in at Michigan. You get guys who – bled the colors and played for them and have returned as, as uh, you know, as alumni to coach as a different kind of passion, man.
1: And in in the light of Canada basketball, we just need to get one of our guys over there. Yeah. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So,
0: Javon, you mentioned Canada basketball. That's where I want to use that as a jumping-off point then, talking a lot about Canada basketball over the course of this podcast. And, um, listen, we could start in, in a million different directions, but uh, I want to paraphrase a conversation that you and I had a couple of days ago when we were doing that game between Canada and the Bahamas, uh, the second game of the FIBA America qualifiers. Again, folks, if you're if if, if you a basketball fan, you know Canada picked up two big wins. But in the course of our broadcast, we started talking about something that, Jonesy, you and I have discussed many times over the course of the past 20-plus years. The change in culture that seems to have happened over the last few years with Canada basketball, when we compare in 2021 what it was like in 2011 versus 2001 versus 1991, etc., the way that the program has changed, Devon, and it's a very broad stroke, this question here, but in your time, and I don't care if we're talking about from the time you were 10, 15, 20, But from your time to now, what is the biggest change you've seen from the top on down that gives you reason to be optimistic about where the program is headed, you know, in future years and for future generations?
1: Well, I think, you know, when you look at where the program is now compared to before, there's there's far more players, right? So before during my time and, and, and maybe years before, if you're missing one or two guys for whatever reason, it's a bigger hit, right? The pool of players now is so much deeper, so much wider, and they want to play, right? Like, when you get guys that, that are on board, the, the Shays that are Shay that are vendors that are setting examples, Andrew Wiggins, and then the number of guys that are overseas coming in, it makes it that much easier for the younger crop of guys coming up to want, to desire to be rubbing shoulders with these guys. So I think that helps. Um, and, and then... If you're okay, let's just say one or two guys don't show up. There's less of an impact because there's somebody that's equivalent to that player, if not better, that can fill those roles, right? You've seen Kenny Sherry, first time playing with the national team, um, came out had a tremendous debut, 14 assists. So what I was impressed with, 14 assists to just one turnover. with a group that he's the first time he's ever playing with, first first time he's in the system, so. He's a guy that you have never seen before on, on this stage. And what if he comes in and fills a role and plays even better than maybe some of the guys that we've had at the time, right? So there's just a, a number of players that you can pick from and pull from. Now you have a group of guys, both on the men and women's side, that, that want to play, right? And there's not as much, I, I, I got to chase guys. And when you have that want, that desire, that becomes contagious and infectious to everybody uh, in the group.
2: Javon, we we got to that point. Eric and I had talked about it, and I had mentioned it oh, five, eight, ten years ago, where Canada is going to get to the point where, on the final team, you know, we saw it this past summer in Victoria, you actually have to cut NBA players from your team, and 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 that speaks to the depth of the pool. But now that we have those guys, I guess the next question is. And you would probably understand this and I, I know from a coaching standpoint, it takes time to build chemistry and cohesion because all those guys have different roles on their respective NBA teams, and it means adapting or changing roles when you come to a, a, a new team that is still, you know, trying to be formed and put together.
1: Right. And you touched on it during the broadcast as well. You know, when you look at it for the for the guys that are overseas and playing in the windows. Those guys are all imports on the respective teams. They have a lot of demand. The expectation for them is to come in and, and score the points, lead their team to a win. Now you toss them into to the national team uh, pool, the 12 guys that are playing on the team, and everybody bumps down a couple positions and, and have to sacrifice all and now they have to play a role. So there's an adjustment for those guys that are overseas. Then you have the NBA guys that come into the mix, you know, when you, if you have a, a Murray, a guy that's a star, a Wiggins, a guy that's a star in their respective team, then you have, you know, a Kelly Linux that play a role. And they, they understand their respective roles with the NBA teams. You come in, you have a short training camp with national team roster. You, you, you jump into some games quick, and everybody has to adapt. I think the biggest thing there is that more than anything, more than the skill that you bring on the court, everybody has to be selfless more than anything. And that has to take precedence because there's going to be so much to shift. There's going to be so much to adapt to, and for to get the best product on the floor, you have to buy in. Without the buy-in, the, you, you you can't have any success on this international stage because you're playing against teams that are extremely cohesive, have chemistry, have been playing with each other since you know the the junior levels at the age the tender ages of, of fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. So you can never substitute those years that those teams have, right, with just talent. It doesn't work like that. And I think got to, if we needed any reminder, it's, you know, that, that the game this past summer, uh, losing to the Czech, those guys have been together for years, right? Talent didn't matter when you need to close out the game.
0: Speaking with Javon Shepard, Javon, uh, we, we can go we can go in 19 different directions with this thing, and we will probably over the course of this conversation. When you talk about the buy-in, let me circle back to even where I started about the, 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 the change in the program and the new buy-in that seems to be there with so many guys. Correct me if I'm wrong, and Jones, you can jump in on this too because I know this speaks to stuff we've talked about in the past. The buy-in wasn't even there to even be a part of the program. Forget about the buy-in on the floor playing selfless, as you said, unselfish, et cetera. But the buy-in in in the sense that there used to be guys, and and on the women's side too – that didn't even want to be involved in the program because of some of the decision-making or some of the people that were running things. But also, Javon, one of the points you made to me the other day too, there were even guys that were grown up that didn't even really know about the prog- program or 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 give two, two, two thoughts about the program because maybe they weren't even in Canada a whole lot of their lives because from prep school to, to college and on to the pros, they weren't even in Canada. So even thinking about wearing the Maple Leaf wasn't even on the radar. So there were a lot of things playing against the program that don't seem to be as prevalent these days. Am I wrong? And you're, you're right. And I think that understanding
1: is, is is there now. It's starting to be there because a lot of the guys that you see at the NBA level now the, or the young guys came up in the junior programs uh, and, and Canada basketball helped develop them and cultivate them as well. So there's more of, a, of an appreciation for Canada basketball. You're understanding the tournament. You're understanding what goes into it. Half of our, our audience only knows the Olympics. Now you're being exposed to the, the, the qualifiers and, and all the other smaller tournaments that that play into that. Now our players are now at a position where they understand that as well. I can speak to it myself because I didn't come up in the junior program. I had a I had a Smith had an opportunity I took advantage of it uh at the national at the C M N's team level. So again, I didn't understand what these all these tournaments were. Until I got you know midway through my career, and it also helped that I, I played in Europe and ha- hear my teammates speak of it because that culture they were immersed in that culture, you know, from the ages of fourteen, fifteen. I actually had a conversation with one of our one of our young studs uh, a couple years ago at summer league, and he he said to me, "Chef, I don't even know what the America Cup is. Like, they got to explain it to me. Why? Because he had come up, he had you know grown in America, but went to high school in America." You know, nurtured his skills and developed his skills in the American system. So all he knew was, you know, you play AAU, you go, to, you go to college, you go to the NBA. He never understood the system. So I think now when you when you get to that place where these guys understand the, the general scope and they understand, they they start to have that pride um, going forward. And I think that's huge. And I think where a lot of us were unfair, you know, Canadians were unfair to them are not showing up from time to time or whatever the case may be because one life happens two they didn't understand it right so you have to help them understand in order to know where they're going and now you're at a place where you know even in just speaking to some some of the guys that played in this last window they've expressed so much appreciation so much gratitude and then on on top of that uh this past summer after you know the failed attempt at the olympic qualifiers
0: there was a meeting
1: of, and nice I call it meeting of the minds, where kind of basketball brought in a lot of the, a lot of the players that were playing overseas and, and playing in the NBA, and guys guys stepped up. You know, you had Kelly O'Linick calling out guys, you had Shea apologizing for not showing up, and and he's one of the guys that's committed. He's going to take charge, take lead, and commit to the squad, and that set the precedence, right? So I, I think that's it's amazing to see, um, and just where we are, we're just going to continue to grow or, and also, Michael Bartlett now took over as CEO for Grand Gen- 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 He's taking the baton now, right? A little, a, a little more enthusiastic. He's, he's younger. He connects with the players as well, uh, and he's doing a tremendous job of just being inclusive, so everybody can feel a part of it.
2: You know, Javon. The, the other thing too that you know people don't think about is, and and you're in a position with the CEBL and. You know, even back in your days at Michigan, Eric and I used to have these discussions. That CEBL gives our Canadian kids a place to play, and they may not make the big team, but they can sure develop their skills and and help a qualifying in the qualifying round or come to a tryout window or a tryout camp or an identification camp and push some of the big boys to get a little bit better and having a domestic pro league is, is huge for a couple of reasons. And, you know, I've always said this to Eric and and he knows that I've been trumpeting this. A guy like myself got into university, sat in his first year, started to play a little bit in the second year, years three and four, you become an all-star, you be, you know, you you, you get to the top and then you, you get your degree after you walk across the stage, they shake your hand, they send you out the door and there's nowhere for you to play. You're just starting to learn. It's kind of like that grade eight dance where you're you're too afraid to ask a girl to dance and on the last song you ask her, and then the dance is over and you're like, man, I should have been dancing this whole time, right?
1: The whole time. <laughs> we
2: have a domestic pro league that you're involved in where our Canadian kids can develop, maybe even get paid a little bit. and And if they come back from overseas, they're playing in front of friends and family. And the other part of guys not being involved in the program is, you got to put food on the table. So playing overseas and taking contracts over there, and and declining in Canada might make you look bad, but you're between a rock and a hard place to get paid and, and support yourself and your family.
1: It's, it's huge. Uh, and, and to your point, there's a lot of those stories, and those guys they, they fall through the cracks when you know you finish school, you have your you have your degree, you walk across the you know stage there, and then after, it's like, what, what do I do next? Where do I go next? Well, it's tough for rookies. The, the first deal is, is always the hardest to get. But once you crack that, you're in. The reason why a lot of these a lot of guys are in that situation. I was in a similar situation when I left school as well. Is that you? You didn't get the exposure right that you needed. You, these these professional clubs aren't looking at college teams. Um, it's it's they're looking at other professional clubs. It's a copycat sport. So you're you're looking at other players that are in your that you're familiar with, now the CBR gives these guys that platform, that exposure that they need at the now professional level so that when other GMs or the coaches are looking around, they see, okay, now this guy has experience, right? I don't have to teach him the ins and outs, or I don't have to worry about can he be a pro, how does he be a pro? So one, it provides that experience. Two, it provides, you know, a, a connection for some of those younger players to learn from the older guys how to be a pro, how to approach the game, what to expect and that seasons you're at. I, I was blessed to be a part of the national team at a young age, uh, senior national team before I even went pro. So I got the likes of Jermaine Anderson, the old former team, Denham Brown, that really showed me, uh, David Thomas, who really showed me Jesse Young. I can go down the list. who so really showed me what it was like, you know, to be a pro. And even something as simple as learning, you know, the cross step, if, if, if cross step sweep. As opposed to an open step suite that would have been a traveling year, I was that expedited my my rookie process because I came in and understood that and already knew how to play the game to so to some extent. So, I mean, that league CBL is is great for the exposure. It's great for because eighty percent of the league is Canadian, so not only are they able to put um, you know food on the table like you said, but get that notoriety, get that experience, and just cultivate who they are as a pro now
0: speaking with Javon Shepard Javon I know you're just mentioning learning certain things from other players when we're talking about the the overall growth of the game the growth of the program on both the men's and women's side how much do we talk about the growth of the coaching as well and the amount of coaching that is being cultivated in this country and the and the torch that has been passed from many of the the, the old school guys that that kind of tried to their best and, and men women that were holding the program together to the influx of young coaches uh that are that are kind of uh you know trying to take that torch into the next generation as well
1: we don't give enough credit there we talk about we talk a lot about the players a lot about the talent pool but you know, without the coaches that have have grown and where coaching has come, and and Jonesy, you could talk to this point as well, the progress that's made, you know, these players aren't who they are because they're the ones fostering and nurturing the players and and pretty much giving them the blueprint and the platform uh, to develop their skills, hone their skills, not just, you know, from the physical aspect, but from the mental side as well, right? Like what to expect, how to approach the game. I myself, when I went into college, neck down, there was none better. Neck up. I hadn't experienced or or wasn't privy to what I needed to have the success that I should have had right out the gate. I learned that over time, but I think now when you have, you know, a lot of former players, uh, former coaches that have played and seen higher levels and they can come back and share their knowledge and their expertise with the young generation have some of these grassroots programs, it's huge for the development. I think we're really just getting started because as as we we get older, excuse me, there's going to be more coaches coming back, more former players, more people investing, knowledgeable people investing in the sport, and that's just going to pay dividends in the big picture for, you know, the generations and, to come, and I think we're just, we're, we haven't even scratched the surface of where Canada's going to be in terms of their talent pool and, and impact in the NBA. As soon as we're going to have multiple superstars, multiple all-stars, uh, and should be excited about it. If we thought we had problems, now, good problems, in terms of turning away NBA guys from our, from our national team, well, we have another thing coming over the next 10 years.
0: If you like the Smith & Jones podcast, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Rate and review the show. We're going to step aside for a moment and come back with more with Javon Shepard. Welcome back on Smith and Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones, with you. Download and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Rate and review the show as well. We continue our conversation with Javon Shepard Jonesy. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, Javon. You, you know, you talked about the coaching and giving the coaching credit, and I, I know you and Eric, uh, you know, mentioned it and and you spoke about it on the broadcast um, the last the last game against the Bahamas. I look at a young man like Nate Mitchell who was, you know, who was, who was coaching anywhere he could. I mean, he would be working anywhere he could. And now he's kind of ascended the ranks. He's, he's into his, you know, second assistant coaching, um, you know, operation with a new team. He was with Charlotte. Now he's with the Raptors. We are really doing a good job of developing Canadian coaches. And I can say this from my own standpoint, because that's all I wanted to do when I came out of Western Ontario with a master's degree in sports psychology. I wanted to coach basketball in 1985 and nobody cared. Nope. They looked at me like I had three heads. What, what is it that you want to do? What there, nobody cares about that. But yet now we have, as you said, an influx of players that are really taking to the game, but they need to be taught properly. And, and, uh, the, the coaching development in Canada. Again, I look at a guy like Nate Mitchell. I look at a guy like Gordy Herbert, who has stuck with it for so long. These are the guys, some of the unsung heroes of the program.
1: Right. And to your point, I always get asked this question, and and, and I'm sure you do too. Is if you know if you are playing in this day and time, you would have been in the NBA. I'm sure, Jandy is saying the same thing to you. If you are coaching right now, you would have been a head coach in the NBA and so forth. But you know, just like how you feel. You had three heads and people are looking at you crazy. that is fine when I look at where the progress that we made, you are part of laying down that pavement a lot you know brick by brick, so now you know pretty much walking so these guys, these coaches, these players can run and to look at it, it it if you look at it from that perspective, it's humbling to see where we are and to be to know that you're a part of that right? So is it going to have the same monetary value? no. But when you see where the game has come, what these guys are experiencing, what the success that they're having, and know that you put brick by brick, or part of putting brick by brick to get them there, it's huge. I, you know, I look at Nathaniel Mitchell. He's a guy that was, you know, I got a train. We played together and played against each other in high school. He also was, in my latter part of my career, a big part of my development and just helping me shoot the basketball better. He used to, he used to go to Janer Falls, perhaps. Working out there, he used to do this out of the kindness of his heart. And then, and I'm talking about riding his bike from his home to Jamie Falstaff, and then leaving there at you know seven o'clock in the morning, and then taking the go bus out to go train out to Mississauga to go coach RJ before school started. You know, do some individual workouts with RJ Barrett before school started. So those investments you don't see now when the bright lights are on, and you know coaches like him and Gordy Herbert are uh, on the platforms they are but the investment that those the coaches put into their craft is huge as well gordy he's played his part it's been way before like he gave a lot of canadians their first shot at playing overseas he signed me to my first contract in germany in germany in the bbl where he probably shouldn't have like that was a pretty big league for a rookie to be step, stepping into but he always kept a canadian or two on his roster and played his part in developing this game and i think. You know, you, you can go on and on, Jay Triano, Roy Rana, so many guys, John Mahalea, um even a Courtney Charles for for myself has been huge. I, I remember coming out of high school, sorry, coming out of college and getting uh doing my going for my workouts with the Raptors and I was just a young pup. I didn't I was green behind the ears, I didn't know much and I got this phone number to call. I like, called my phone, I picked it up and I must have said yo and it was Courtney Charles. But he stopped me right there, and he told me, "You know what? You're gonna, you're gonna, gonna, I'm gonna call back. You're gonna hang up the phone, and you're gonna answer the phone like a professional because you're professional now. You're not, you know, just this this little young pup running around the neighborhood. You have to conduct yourself as such. And I remember that to this day because it meant so much for me. And it wasn't just as a player; it was how do you approach day to day? Who are you? You're a brand every time you walk outside, and to understand that you know that small message was something that now I can share to the younger generation and I, I and that's something I always do because it's it's basketball's so much more than just putting the ball in the hoop it's like you guys see you guys called all the game character like character is the way the NBA has gone and you have to show that
0: speaking with Javon Shepard Javon I think those are those are excellent points and I, I listen I'm going to piggyback on this the way I did the other day when we kind of got into this conversation briefly and, and Jones I 100% want you to, to kind of piggyback on me here because you've got way more names, way more connections, way more influencers than, than even I do but in listening to the Javon mention the names, I know as a and I listen, I don't have even a, a, a percentage, a half a percentage of the playing career, coaching career that either one of you have. I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a nobody when it comes to, you know, the, the playing part of the game. But, Jones, you know, this going back to my days at Humber College and coming up the opportunity I had to learn even more about the game of basketball from Mike Cates who's a legend in the college ranks and the college and university ranks in, in Canada, let alone with the national program, all the years that he put in alongside Jay Triano and with Steve Nash and his development and so many other young players on that game, to, to be able to learn and, and, and follow the team that Humber had with Mike Cates and Dave Devaro and George Tony McNeil. And, and now I look and see Omar Miles and, and Warwick Manners running that program at Humber now. So many guys that have influenced the game, even just for me, and then coming into the game as a broadcaster too and having the ability to learn from Jonesy and learn from Leo and and Jack Armstrong and so many guys that have those roots in Canadian basketball or just in the game itself. And Jonesy, I I know again, you, I mean, I don't mean to date you, but you you came a few years before me and you've had so many people that impacted you on and off the court with the game as well.
2: Yeah, no, it's true, Eric. And, and, um, you know, i I know that a lot of the credit for the explosion of basketball goes to Vince uh, in terms of putting Toronto on the map. But Vince kind of opened the door. That era kind of opened the door because there were a lot of people behind the door, and you just mentioned some of them. You just mentioned different eras where there were great players, but American coaches and and there was there was something about giving Canadian guys a chance. And, you know, I, it makes me proud to see a guy like Javon take a scholarship and go to a place like Michigan, a, a major division one program and be successful there and then come back and, you know, send the, send the truck back for everybody else to, to pull them along too. So, um, you could always get players in Canada. You, you could, all, there, we had them here, but it's a matter of, um, you know, guys, helping each other out and and getting opportunities once some guys do. So, um, you know, I even look at where Javon is now making like you, Eric, making his, his, his name in broadcasting and kind of spreading the game, not just as a a player or a coach or as a, an influencer with Canada basketball, but a broadcaster too in that whole teaching part of it. And Javon, that's so important, isn't it?
1: it? It is right. Because now you get to share your experiences. Um, you know, share your knowledge, share your world, and just continue to to open and 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 express that right. Not because not only are we, not only is our, our players growing, our 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 coaches growing, but so is our audience and the knowledge base of our audience as well is growing. Um, so now you can have those intellectual conversations, those provocative conversations, and I think that's huge, man. Because again, you know, we're we'll continuing to grow, and and this is that's the next step in it, right? It's just that other side, the media side, that now we want to pick up more coverage, um, you know, Sportsnet's partnership with Canada basketball is huge now because we get to share the stories of some of these young guys and and know who they are before, you know, they hit mainstream, before the, you know, we want to tell their stories before the ESPN tells the story, the ESPN of the world tells the story. Um, And and it's great. Like, I, I love this, you know, being in the broadcast lane because I get to... I'm gonna be doing this anyways. I'm gonna keep up with our guys. I'm gonna be watching NBA. I'll probably be in a group chat. I'll probably be poking fun at Jonesy, and saying he's old, he can't play anymore. But <laughs> you know, it's stuff I'm gonna be doing anyways. No, I'm, I'm messing with Jonesy. I actually got my dad. I, popped up at I, I can't play anymore. No, I can't. I can't up. play anymore. The older, you.
2: hey, the older you were, the old, the longer you retired, the better you were.
1: No. He actually knew, he made it clear to me, and I was poking fun of him that Jonesy and his brother they could hoop. And I told him no, they can't. They can't get buckets, but so they didn't get buckets. And they made it clear to me that no, Paul Jones and Mark Jones, they they could hoop. They could put it in the basket. They could fill it up. So I always poke fun at Jonesy with that stuff. But I, his name his name is good in these streets. His name is good in these streets. Oh man.
0: Hey Shep, you you mentioned. Uh... NBA let's shift our attention just for a couple of minutes here to close things out uh, big game for the Toronto Raptors against the champs as uh, the Bucks come to town uh, and probably the worst time for the Bucks to be coming to town because the Raptors are reeling and the Bucks are rolling um it's been a long time since we've seen the Raptors, this team struggle on their home floor. And, and, you know, you can speak to it as well from having been there. You know, what's, what's that added, that added pressure, that added intensity, I guess, um, when you're struggling, you're not healthy, you need a win, you're not winning at home. You got a good opponent coming to town. There's a lot of things that are kind of, you know, you know, potentially spinning against you.
1: It it feels heavy, right? Like I remember being in times like that. And it's just, it's heavy, it's dark, but you have, to, you have to come in and put your hard hat on and approach it day-to-day and know and trust that it ends, right? So the work has to continue being put in, the investment has to continue to stay there, and that has to be the consistent part because you're not going to lose every game. Like at some point, it's going to click. At some point, you're going to be healthy. At some point, guys are going to step up. You're going to have really a really good game or two or a stretch of games, and then confidence kicks in. And once that confidence is going, it's hard to stop teams, right? Is this an NBA championship team today? No, but it's a team that's young, a team that's growing. And for me personally, I think the pressure, this conversation of, you know, Pascal needs to step up, Pascal needs to do more and this, no, that that actually has to stop. You know what Pascal's ceiling is. You know what he's going to give you. For me, this is a perfect opportunity as depleted as a team is Perfect opportunity for when somebody in the supporting cast, somebody off the bench to step up and make a name, not not just for his team, but make a name for yourself. This is an opportunity to be selfish. This is an opportunity for somebody to come up. The coach is asking, we need somebody to step up and score. This is, this is an opportunity. Because if the rules were reversed, the team was playing well, and Pascal and some of the other starters were, were getting the bulk of the minutes, and guys were coming off the bench and p- playing spot minutes, they would have a limited role and they would be complaining about wanting more responsibility, wanting more opportunity. So here it is. Somebody can step up and, and get the job done. So I look at it from the other side. There is opportunity there. Somebody can make a name for themselves. And guess what? Pascal's a guy that did that three, four years ago was in this, this similar situation. Fred was in a similar situation as well. So you just got to be able to you know, knuckle up and say, I'm going to take this challenge on. I'm going to come in. I'm going to be an impact guy off this bench, and you know, get this team a couple wins by surprise.
0: Javon, we appreciate the time on the show today, man. Look forward to seeing you down at the gym real soon.
1: Appreciate it. There Thanks, is Javon,
0: Javon Shepard, uh, folks. Again, make sure you subscribe to Smith and Jones wherever you get your podcast. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. We are back on Friday with more Smith and Jones on Sportsnet 590. The fan.